This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. And Lisa Brady. There's a nationwide shortage of teachers, and in hundreds of school districts across the U.S., remote teachers are being used more often to help fill gaps. In past years, that may have been mainly to supplement course offerings. Now it's also for core subjects, fueling more debate about education, especially in a post-pandemic landscape when many students are struggling with learning loss. We spoke with two guests, one a proponent of virtual instruction, the other critical of it. We made some edits for time and thought you might want to hear the whole thing. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the weekday Fox News Rundown podcast. Now here's Susan Moore Johnson, research professor at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. So let me jump in with some questions here. Wanted to talk to you about some of these remote learning companies. You know, the school districts using these companies argue in part that a remote teacher is better than no teacher. That's kind of one of the arguments. I mean, is that true? Oh, that would be, I think, a far-reaching explanation. Um, It would be possible in a very specialized course that a remote teacher who is very, you know, solid in the subject and skilled at teaching remotely would be better than no one. But the idea of having virtual teaching in standard subjects, I think, is really misguided. And it might look like a stopgap solution, but I'm confident in saying that it would ultimately harm students and really weaken the schools. More schools are using remote teaching to fill gaps in staffing for core subjects. Is is that a sign that it's here to stay? Or are you hoping that we're still in a post-pandemic adjustment period? I don't think it's simply a post-pandemic adjustment period. I think it is a period when uh, political issues about schools, about teachers, have really caused teachers and prospective teachers to think twice about whether they can actually do the work that they hope to do. And there, I mean, there are several problems with virtual teaching. One is simply that we know from the pandemic that remote teaching was um, harmful to kids overall. Goldhaber and his colleagues reported on 10,000 schools and 2 million students. And they found that the more remote teaching these students experienced, the further they fell behind in core subjects, reading and math. So there is that. And there are certainly stories of students who thrived because they didn't have to go to school. But I think there's a bigger 
problem. And I'm not ignoring your question about whether it's here to stay. I am fearful about where it might lead. Good schooling is ultimately a social enterprise between teachers and students over time, not in a single course, but over time. And the virtual relationships would undermine the school by disrupting the the ongoing work of students and teachers. So effective teachers are constantly diagnosing students' understanding, their progress, adjusting instructional strategies to meet their needs, both individually and as a group. They're not simply transferring content to students. So this ongoing interaction would be nearly impossible for virtual teachers to carry out. And we have a lot of research over many years showing that it's very important for students to be known and cared about by their teachers. And that means much more than recognizing them on a screen. The, a virtual teacher who has several classes in different schools would not come to know students as individuals who develop inside and outside the classroom over time. Our work uh, studying schools that are successful, especially those in low-income environments, show that they are very collaborative, that teachers are working with colleagues, planning curriculum, overseeing students' progress, not in a single course, but across the school, identifying additional supports or opportunities that would benefit those students. I compare them to the standard, what's often called the egg crate structure of traditional schools, where classes occur in separate compartments and teachers are isolated within them. We know that those are not productive for students either. But in schools where both teachers and students thrive, there's a shared work culture and they become what I call beehives of innovation rather than isolating egg crates. So although virtual teachers might provide some coverage and therefore satisfy some administrative concerns, they really can't contribute to building a better school. And that the reason that teachers leave their schools is that either their salaries are so low to make that work unaffordable or their working conditions make it impossible for them to help their students learn and grow. And so I think with a lot of evidence behind this conclusion that a school that relies on part-time virtual teachers rather than full-time in-person teachers would under, undermine the working conditions of the school. And the school would be less able to attract and retain full-time teachers. So I fear that the future would be a kind of spiraling down in the quality of teaching, the well-being of students. 
This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. It sounds like some of your overriding concerns are, you know, a virtual teacher missing some of the cues and, and signals that they would otherwise pick up from students in a classroom, which then also feeds into sort of the cumulative effect of, you know, the student-teacher relationship that you're talking about. Yeah, I think that's true. It's not just cues. I mean, I I would assume that a teacher who is very good at this would pick up certain kinds of cues. But teachers are constantly assessing and adjusting to how a student's feeling, whether they're confused, what they might learn from other students in the classroom. I mean, it's it's this constant process that's very dynamic and that simply cannot be captured on a screen. But there's this other, other element that students live beyond a particular class, obviously. Mastering material is an important part of this process. But for example, in subjects like social studies, where it's issues rather than algorithms or or scientific questions that, that the class is focusing on social issues, it, to have a really compelling discussion exploring the hardest parts of those issues would be next to impossible. So it's both what's lost within the classroom, particularly other students' contributions to, to their peers' learning, but also that the student's experience extends beyond that course or that class. And if, for example, schools differ in the sequence of the curriculum that they use, what topics are taught in a particular year, how they're taught, how they relate to the other classes that students are are teaching. And the more integrated those are, the better it is for students learning. But a virtual class at its best would not be adjusting in an ongoing way to those kinds of realities of the context. And the more teachers who are, you know, um, going in and out of their virtual responsibilities, the less coherent the school will be for students. I think as a parent, I would be very troubled by having my child be in a class where the teacher doesn't know him or her well and doesn't know me as a parent. And that simply would be impossible. What about, I just want to ask a question about students who, for whatever reason, may do better in school when they're learning from home. It may not be the majority of students, but what about those students? I don't think, I think that's really a separate issue. I mean, as I understand it, these are not students learning from home. They're students who are in their classroom. And it, it's, 
I'm sure there are some, but we know from, you know, the results of the pandemic that there are a small number of them. And I'm not convinced that they would be better off in that kind of an isolated relationship with the teacher than if the teacher were there with them at their side, answering questions, pointing out things that a virtual teacher couldn't do. The teacher shortage around the country is something that may take quite a while to resolve. So to the right. to the extent that, you know, remote teaching may be here to stay at least for a while, what would you like to see done differently? How could schools, you know, improve on the model that's being used, at least by some of the companies that they're hiring? I don't know enough about the details of the models. I've read about them. But I actually would discourage any school district or any school from resolving this problem by hiring a company and, you know, subcontracting instruction. I think it's very bad idea. So any investment to be made ought to be made in improving teachers' salaries and working conditions. I mean, schools attract teachers because they're good places for teaching and learning. And in my view, this can only make that worse uh, for the organization of the school. So I'd not be inclined to say, well, if you make this one change, if you ask the virtual teachers to meet online with the other grade level teachers and pay them for it, you know, that might make it slightly better. But the distance that comes between a teacher and a student in this kind of arrangement is really problematic. Even during the pandemic, especially early on, the students and teachers already had a personal relationship with each other and with other students in the class. And so they were able to you know, shift to remote teaching. The teachers within the school were able to coordinate what they were doing so that they could do synchronous teaching. It wasn't ideal, but it was certainly better than slotting in essentially strangers, maybe very smart, maybe very skilled strangers, but individuals who are never really present in the school. I, I really, uh, I don't have any recommendations for the companies. And from what I've read, it's pretty costly for the district. So it's not as if it's really saving money. I think that schools and districts should take seriously the recruitment of teachers and figure out how to do that, how to build a kind of ongoing pipeline from preparation programs to their school or to their district. And that's, that is done by um, schools and districts where people are eager to teach. I think we'd find that this, and, and there's not really very much good information about this now. I think we'd find that this shortage is not evenly distributed. It's not as if, you know, the, the issue remains the same in wealthy and low-income districts. It actually is basically 
experience primarily in low-income schools and districts and rural schools and districts. And I think that they need to be given the resources they need to find the teachers that students deserve. Now, a positive take on remote learning from Evan Erdberg, founder and president of Proximity Learning, Inc. I mean, if you go back 20-some years, you have asynchronous instruction that really was the original remote learning, where you take the teacher out, it's really click, click, learn. And, you know, over the last, you know, seven or eight years, you know, we pioneered it, but other companies are also doing it now, where because the technology is now there, live instruction becomes a better option or another option for districts to use. And this wasn't something that happened because of COVID. This is something that happened because the teacher shortage was occurring 10 years ago, you know, 15 years ago. It's now just expedited with COVID and people leaving. But uh, we've had a teacher shortage for a long time now. This isn't something new. Hmm. Can you give us a sense of how much this has grown? Like how many, you know, districts just your company is is serving compared to what it was doing 10 years ago? Sure. I mean, 10 years ago when we started, we had to first educate the market on online education. Um, most people understood asynchronous, but no one knew about live virtual instruction. Zoom wasn't a thing. Back then it was Skype. It was Adobe Connect. And we had to educate people. So when you have to educate the public, it takes longer to implement whatever solution you have. And we saw that the teacher shortage was really starting to grow. And 10 years ago, it wasn't in your suburban neighborhoods it was really in your urban and your rural neighborhoods. And so that's where we spent the majority of our time was working in Mississippi Delta, um, Chicago's, Milwaukee, those types of locations. And it took a long time. Our first five years, uh, it was a it was a hard uphill battle because people did not look at us as a real option. We we also were looked at as a band-aid where we were not, again, a real option. It was an option that was there, but let's just use it for a little bit. Let's put a live person. Um, the thinking was just a, a person in the classroom is better than a virtual instructional program. So it took us probably a good seven years to build up and educate the market that virtual education can be valuable. And then what COVID did is COVID normed the entire world to online education, just online in general. So it wasn't just the workplace that got normed, it was K-12 schools. Um, They realized that virtual instruction can be an option. And so that allowed us to really scale. So eight, nine years ago, I had maybe four or five corporate employees and 15 teachers on staff. Now I have over 150 corporate employees and over 1,100 teachers on staff. And all the teachers are employees. They're all W-2. We don't do 1099s. And so I've got over 1,000 employees now over that, you know, eight to nine-year time frame. And, and we've gone from teaching, you know, maybe uh, 1,500 kids um, our first two years to now we're teaching over 100,000 kids a day. And that's in how many districts, roughly? 
A little over 230 in about 31 states. Hmm. Now, remote teaching does have its its critics, you know, and some of those arguments are that what about the teacher-student connection? You know, a, a virtual teacher can't really maybe see all the nuances of what's going on uh, with a student's reaction to something or, you know, how they might be feeling about a certain subject or questions that sort of might be brewing. Just that that personal interaction maybe isn't the same. What do you say to that? I would say our current model of education is completely outdated already. You know, we don't really have a lot of forward thinking there to start, and we need a real overhaul of the system. We're still teaching kids the same way we taught them 150 years ago. Um, When a child comes out of college, I mean, out of um, high school, if they go to college, there's a 30% chance that your teacher is going to be online via Zoom or other video technology. When you go and work for a company today, there's a 70% chance that you're going to be remote or partly remote, which means you're going to be working at home and or using an online technology to communicate with your peers or your potential clients. So when it comes to our K-12 students today, using this virtual model actually allows us to reach them on the modality they're used to anyway. Kids are in TikTok, they're on Instagram. You need to really create an environment that's dynamic, that's consistently changing every five to 10 minutes. And in an online world that's live virtual instruction, you're able to do that because our teachers bring in different types of resources, not just a textbook, not just a, a blackboard, a whiteboard, but they're actually able to use Quizlet and Nearpod and all these other technologies online while they're teaching to really engage students and to keep them interested. And I think if you do virtual instruction, but you do it with live teachers, it's able to be as good and even better than the in-class experience. But if you do virtual instruction and use the asynchronous model where the students are just reading and trying to learn on their own and do click, click, learn, that's where I think there's real problems And that's because there really isn't that personal environment where the teacher gets to know the student. It's really the students trying to teach themselves quadratic functions or, you know, how to read. And there's no one leading them on that journey. With live teachers, the teachers still know their name. The teachers still are there for parent-teacher conferences. They're They're calling them out. They're putting them into groups. It's really no different than having someone there in person. It's just they're now able to do it online and use additional resources to take to really take that environment and move it into another level and to bring it into the 21st century. It sounds like the model probably varies depending on the class and the students in the district too. Like for instance, you know, are they wearing headphones or not wearing headphones? How do they communicate with the teacher who's not actually in the classroom? But there have been questions raised in some districts about kids walking out of class. You know, what about accountability for how students are doing? What about the parent-teacher conference? How do you address all of those concerns? It's fair concerns. And it's not just with virtual instruction. Those same problems are happening Um, with teachers in classes. I mean, post-COVID, the SEL issues, the social-emotional learning issues, have just blown up. And so students don't know how to act in class. They don't know how to raise their hand or deal with stress. They're walking out. So the same problems that a virtual teacher has 
well, this are the problems that an in-class teacher have. What really makes this successful is the partnership between our virtual teacher and there's always an in-class sub, aide, or para who's there as well on ground. It's not just kids in the classroom and there's no adult supervision. There's someone there. And if that person is dedicated to working with these kids and they're typically a long-term employee and they work with our teacher, we can really create a real positive environment. If there's no adult super, super supervision, yeah, a lot of those things that you suggested can occur and do occur. It really depends on how much the district buys into the success of a virtual program. This next question might depend on location, I realize, but um, in general, is this more expensive per class than having a teacher in person? And how are districts affording this? Sure. And you're you're right. This does depend on location because New Mexico uh, pays $29,000 a year for a teacher versus New Jersey that pays $75,000 a year. So it does depend on the location. But typically, the cost for our program is around the exact same amount of money that they're going to pay for a teacher, wherever they are. And in districts in the north that do pay more per teacher, it's actually going to be a cost savings for them now what you have to think about is when a district looks to compare us to a teacher they're not looking on their salary scale and saying all right the teacher's got 15 years experience they have their masters um we're going to compare it to what we would normally pay a teacher that has 15 years experience and their masters um well how they compare us to is a first year teacher so it's not always a real fair comparison because most of our teachers are coming with five to ten years experience have their advanced degrees so they would normally be paid higher and also the district gets additional funds like title funds special education funds that doesn't go towards us they keep those funds as well so at the end of the day districts if they're in the south are typically um, paying the same if districts are in the north or in areas where they typically pay teachers more they're saving um, on the cost of what they work of what they pay for our services is your company facing issues with teacher shortages as well the, the same way that districts are i would say before covid we did not have that problem I would say because COVID has normed remote work in general, teachers now have the option to do not just teaching, but to work in office spaces, to be door dashers, to do, to do so many other things outside of teaching and make a whole lot more money that it's taken away so many more teachers that before COVID did not have options outside of what was in their community. So it's it has created an environment where we are finding it challenging to hire math teachers or the real unicorn is bilingual teachers. Those are impossible to find. So one of the things that we've done is we've partnered with several universities to actually build our own teachers where we actually do student teaching programs where we'll have over 75 student teachers a year coming into our programs and if it works we then hire them uh we also are taking people through teacher certification and we're paying for it so we'll actually take someone who has a, a degree in let's say science or math and we'll go through more than university and we'll actually 
pay for them to go through their teacher certification program while they student teach for us. And then when they come out, they're a certified teacher and we hire them in. So we're trying to figure out unique ways to build our own teachers because access to teachers has definitely become more challenging. What about artificial intelligence? Is your company using or considering the use of AI for remote teaching or are you committed or planning to stay committed to live teachers? So AI has definitely shocked, you know, our, our entire world. And um, before ChatGPT and all of that came out, I was really hoping that we could build a second life or even get one of those holograms. But with ChatGPT and the benefits to it, um, we are exploring and we've already brought out an MVP, which is a, a tutoring program using ChatGPT that we spent the last six months building and that allows students 24-7 access to a gated AI program that they can ask questions to that's been trained. In an ideal scenario, let's say three or four years from now, it'd be great if you could have AI with a teacher. I don't think we'd ever be able to remove a teacher because you need that person, but to have AI supporting that teacher. So maybe the students get additional instructional supports and they kind of co-teach together in a classroom. I think that would be really the future that we're looking at. And I'd love to, you know, get us too quicker. For now, um, just with the live teachers that you are using, have you encountered a lot of parents who are surprised by this? And what do you tell parents who may be upset by it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine you're a parent, you pay your taxes, you send your child to a public school in your local neighborhood, and you find out that your child is not going to have a teacher, that there is no teacher, or they're sending your child into the auditorium during its math class because there's 700 kids that don't have teachers. That's the current system. So parents are are angry. And, and imagine you're this parent and you don't have options, right? You don't have the money or the resources to change schools or to move. And so you want the best for your kid. And an online program um, at the beginning is surprising. We do have a lot of parents that are angry or against it or because they don't understand it. They still think it's the asynchronous type of program. And then... Once their children start going through it and they start learning and they start engaging, we're able to win them over. But it definitely takes time because parents are already angry at the situation of not having a teacher. And we have to get through that to even uh, show them that having a virtual teacher can be successful. Evan Erdberg, president of Proximity Learning. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.
From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.